Greetings and salutations, and welcome once again to the Cult Spark Podcast. You might know me, my name is Bob Taylor, and we've got a cool show for you today, as Joe Oshansky, a Cult Spark Podcast first-timer, joins me to talk about Twin Peaks, the revival of the classic 1990s David Lynch TV show that's currently airing on Showtime every Sunday night. Joe is a film critic with the Tulsa voice, and like me, a longtime Twin Peaks fan. During our conversation, we discuss how the revival compares to the original series, whether TV shows should be treated like puzzles to solve, and just how long audiences will be willing to put up with Agent Dale Cooper bumbling around Las Vegas in a fugue state. Here's our conversation. I hope you enjoy listening in. So, Joe, welcome to the Cult Spark Podcast. For the very first time, it's your inaugural show. It's great to be here, actually. It's kind of surreal talking to you for the first time. I know, because we've been online buddies for a while, but we've never interacted vocally. There's never been any audio component to our relationship. No, no there hasn't. No, wonder, the wonder of the tubes. And it's funny, people who are readers of our site might remember you, because you actually reviewed every episode of True Detective Season 2 for Cult Spark. So you're like our weird TV show guy now. At right. this point, yeah. There might be more of that coming soon, though. That's, that would be fantastic. Because tonight we're going to talk about Twin Peaks, uh, the whole episode. Twin Peaks is very interesting, Joe. And I'm going to let you do most of the talking here, but I want to open up with this. I think there That's are great. three distinct ways you can look at this series and try to evaluate it. You can look at it as a continuation of the original series. You can look at it as just a totally separate entity that's the latest project from David Lynch, who hasn't made anything in a long time, and maybe will not be making anything again. Or we can look at it in the context of what TV is like today, you know, what taking all the best TV shows of today from, you know, everything that's on FX, HBO, AMC, and trying to see how the modern revival of Twin Peaks fits among those shows. Which of those ways do you think is the preferred way to look at it? Which way are you looking at it? I'm looking at it as a continuation for certain, certainly. Although as a continuation of that, um, of the original series, I think he's doing a lot of things with this that touch upon or like reference, like other things he's done in, in films. Like there's, I think there's, there's some Lost Highway in there and 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 Mulholland Drive and sometimes this feels more like Mulholland Drive to me than right. The original I mean, there's a the tonal thing is completely different from the original show, so that's I mean to some degree that's why it feels like to me a new and separate thing that you could look at. Um, I, you know, I mean, <clears throat> you look at it in those terms of like how it could be uh, what its place is in the in the in the context of modern uh, television now, uh, contemporary the way things are are now uh, and how different they are from when Twin Peaks was originally on. Mm -hmm. But I still choose to look at it as a, uh, a continuation, especially concerning the characters. Cause really for me, it was all about the characters to begin with. And I, you know, more than anything else, more than like mysteries of the black lodge or, you know, some of the more esoteric, you know, elements of the show, this one and the, and the former one, it's, you know, for me, it's still about the characters and finding out where they go. Although, we have, I mean, there's only a small handful of the original characters that are getting stories at this point. And it's mostly Cooper. So is that disappointing right. to you at all? Um, not necessarily, because I keep getting surprised how they roll these little things out. Like like with Nadine, for example. You know, she's sitting there listening to Jerry Horn. You know, Jerry Horn, too, out in, the, out in the woods, listening to 
Dr. Jacoby's like Infowars type, you know, pod podcast or video cast or video blog or whatever mm-hmm. that's going out like on shortwave radio at the same time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, you know, I didn't, you know, you, you see Nadine in that moment for the first time and it's a surprise, you know, and, uh, I'm confident there's going to be, you know, over the course of the next, what, 13 hours has got left, uh, a continuation of their stories to where they are in, in their lives and how it all connects with the and Cooper that much. I think that, that's because he's a fan favorite. And I think that's really frustrating at this point because his progression or his arc right now is going so slowly. <laughs> the only reason it's really offset is because he's not just playing Cooper. He's playing evil Cooper. He's, he's Dougie. Uh, so you're seeing like the two halves of that same whole kind of like you get a little bit of variety there, I guess, because as bad Coop, I mean, McLean, <laughs> see, I can't even pronounce his name. <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin. Uh, he kills it, you know. I mean, he's killing it right now with that, you know, like creepiness. I mean, in that last episode where he does the Mister Strawberry thing, that was like probably one of the most chilling things I've seen in the show. Period. It just reminded me a little bit of like that scene in Fire Walking Me where he's frozen in the, you know, the monitor and walking by himself. It's kind of like you can almost smell the same like uh, intent there or something like that to creep you out. But that's pretty much the, the, to get back to your question, like. um its emphasis on Cooper is not really disappointing me now. It's just frustrating at this point because I really want my Cooper back, you know? Well, I, I think if it was any other show from any other filmmaker, people would be outraged at how slow that's right. going. I think that, I mean, we're dragging right. this Cooper being mistaken for Dougie thing out. I mean, it's gone on for what, two and a half hours now, I think, since they yeah. started it. But it's, it's so fascinating and little... it's so distinct that I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it. It's sort of against what you would expect from a TV show where you want um, things to move now. And, and it's, it's antithetical to that to some degree. And yeah, Elizabeth Frost ain't having any of that shit. So right. it's like, <laughs> they, you know, there's a certain way he stages sometimes or these pregnant pauses that make things more awkward and feed like into that distinctly Lynchian feel. I think that's part of what that is. But, yeah, it's a little bit frustrating to see the progression because, you know, he's getting these little hints, like when he drinks the coffee for the first time and he's like, hi, you know, whatever. And it's just like, just, okay, coffee's going to bring him back. Right, and or case he files. Syrup, he sees case the, files. The, and like the, his... syrup, the syrup met the – he didn't have ham on the <laughs> plate or anything like that. But, you know, you think about that taste sensation whenever people syrup collides with ham. You know, it's like all these little things, agent, you know, or mm-hmm. – files case files are starting to bring him back just a little bit but the pace on that is so slow and i think you're right i think it's because it's lynch and because it's this character that fans at least are being exceedingly patient with it how many more episodes do you think they can go before people oh. riot <laughs> that's hard to say because i mean I, I think that when you're talking about this show and especially that it's the quality of it thus far um i think it was like beyond expectations sort of i mean these things really worked out that well you know, I mean, think about everything from when WKRP in Cincinnati came back for after you know, 15 or 18 years or whatever, and it just wasn't funny. Or the X-Files came back last year and it kind of sucked. Or, you know, you know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. these things don't work out very often. Mm-hmm. So, like, just being kind of surprised that it's this good <laughs> is also kind of contributing to that sense of, like, okay, I'm just going to see where this goes and, you know, trust trust Lynch and Frost, basically. So we're five episodes in, five hours in. How many hours is it total? Uh, I think it was 18. 18. 18. So, so we're not even... Yeah, I don't hear, hear people say 19, but then it's, I think the official one's 18. Well, but. we're not even a third of the way through yet, but so far you're happy. No. I heard, yeah. And I heard, you know, somebody say if you, like, take the ratio down or make it a comparison or whatever, it's like, if this were 
like a two and a half hour movie, it'd be like getting bored in the first 20 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. kind of deal. And uh, I don't know who said that, but uh, it's, I mean, if it's an 18, 19 hour movie and you're only five hours into it, essentially, if it was a standard feature length film, you you know, you'd barely out of the first act. You know, I mean, I just feel like normal TV rules don't apply because David Lynch has such a unique vision. Mm-hmm. And it's just I mean, I'm a fan of the guy, so it's just fascinating to me to watch it play out. I could see like sort of people that aren't Lynch super fans or maybe not Twin Peaks super fans getting really bored with this or really confused by it. I've been pretty fascinated. Sure. But like, okay, do you think that like like the fact that Lynch approached this as something of a, you know, he considers it a whole, just one whole movie, right? That they just happen to be chopping up an hour long episode, right? Since those two approaches are like kind of diametrically opposed to each other in a way, how much do you think that the lack of pace is just has to do with the fact that it's not you have to wait a week in between maybe two episodes that not much happens or something like that. Well, you're talking to somebody who doesn't like binging, who prefers I'm an old man and I like the old way of TV where you get an hour and then you talk about it for a week and everyone's in the same episode. So I'm kind of delighted by that fact, especially now when everybody binges everything. It's it's kind of cool to watch an hour and then debate about it with your buddies online for a week. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, this is this whole, like, I mean, you know, the show was, uh, I guess, responsible or partly responsible for the coining of the term water cooler show. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've got a whole different version of that now, with, you know, online and, and uh, Facebook, you know, chat groups. I mean, Tyler Foster, a writer friend of ours, I guess, um, you know, he's, uh, he, you know, he's like he started this like, uh, you know, group thread. It's just like everybody, everybody overwhelmed it so fast. You know, it's like <laughs> I had to turn I had to turn the notifications off just because of the phone was pulling up, like talking about Twin Peaks. And they're like, OK, we got to change this to a, just a group instead. But yeah, I mean, it's just that excitement and everybody just like pouring over all these theories based on every new episode, like where it's going and how it ties into Fire Walk Me or the older stuff. Or, I mean, you know, the, the whole, was it Richard Horn, I guess? Right. That one scene that, you know, everybody's like trying to figure out if that's, you know, Audrey Horn's son. Oh, like, the, did, the, the, the guy in the bar at the end or the guy at the bar with the cigarettes? Yeah. The rapey guy. Yeah. Yeah. The rapey guy. Exactly. I'll tell you what, I'm not convinced that you mentioned that we get glimpses of some of these characters from the original series. Like, yeah. who have we seen? We saw Nadine real quick. We saw Sarah mm-hmm. Palmer real quick. I'm not convinced those are going to develop into full, like, character arcs. I kind of feel like he's focusing on Cooper, Black Lodge stuff, uh, the FBI, his character, and, you know, Albert. And I'm not sure that we're not just dropping into these people to kind of get a glimpse of a moment of, a, of their life, but I'm not sure they're going to play a big part. Now, I could be wrong. We have I mean, a lot it, of time really left. To say at this point, don't you think? I mean, who yeah. knows where it's going to go? I mean, nobody really knows where it's headed, really. I mean, he, I think he's been fairly, like, actually less esoteric about things in this than I would have expected, Yeah. sort of. I mean, like, there's already, like, a clear thing going on of, like, there's two Coopers out and... One of them's got to die, and and you know, the, the the makeup of the black lodge or like the waiting room, or whatever, is still the same, and, and you know, everything still it seems. I mean, there's like a lot of like you know, number cryptography type little things and little clues here and there, and questions you got to ask, like you know, who the billionaire philanthropist is that started the experiment to begin with. Is that Philip Jeffries? Who knows? Because nobody knows where Philip Jeffries is. In fact, is David Bowie even going to be in this thing? Is he going to be a character? It's like how he's using things like uh, Carlin Briggs, you know, because Don right. Davis died so long ago, but he's still got him in there. Or he even got, he even got uh, Frank Sullivan in there, got it digitally on 
Cooper's face in that last episode. I would love so it if Bowie filmed something before he died. And the, the the rumor seems to be not, but I keep hoping he'll show up, especially since they keep uh, name dropping his character. But, I mean, it's exactly that's how invested you, like at least for me, being into it for the characters as much as anything else. Like that's kind of what's you know exciting about it is like everybody you're holding on to that hope of a surprise. Like yeah, maybe Bowie did shoot something they didn't say nothing about, it. or maybe Harry will show up at some point in the show. Uh, I doubt it, but I mean, so I mean, you kind know, of hold out hope for that sort of thing, and this is exactly the kind of effect that those characters have on you because you want to see them again. So let's talk about that. When did you watch the series, the original series, in its original run? Correct? Is that true actually, or not? I true? did not. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't see it. Actually, I didn't see the. Okay, it went like this. I remember seeing like stuff on the news about it, like people getting together, at, like diners and stuff like that, and dressing up like Dale Cooper and you know drinking coffee and eating pie. But then uh, I was already a David Lynch fan at that point, and I was just—I wasn't into TV so much. I was just watching the movies and stuff. So I'd been, you know, seeing like Blue Velvet, and Wild at Heart, and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. not Wild at Heart, Blue Velvet, and uh, Racerhead, and uh, so whenever Fire Walk with Me came around, I wanted to see it. I had never seen the show before I saw Fire Walk with Me, which so was you a saw pretty Fire Walk with Me first. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. And then I didn't wind up seeing the show itself. Yeah. Well, because I, I was like, I was into Lynch's movies. Not so much television stuff, so and I didn't it's really pay attention. Tonally, very different than the show too. It is, oh, very, very much. So it was kind of like, but then whenever it came on, whenever Bravo syndicated it, and that's when they did the log lady introductions for it. That kind of because the log lady introductions didn't exist on the show in its initial run. Correct. Uh, they created those for for Bravo, and which is, to me, it was always a symbol of like how popular that show, even though it was canceled after you know like what two seasons because of. Generally, if I'm not mistaken, like uh, to get hit syndication, a show has to be like on for like four seasons or something like that. So anyway, Bravo gets it. They had the log lady introductions. That's when you know I started watching it, and then you know pretty soon friends are coming over, we're stacking donuts and all that shit, and drinking coffee, and smoking weed, and, you know, <laughs> and just every week watching it. And they would run them like they had them for a while. It's like they ran through the whole series and they'd run them again. And so we just kept watching them over and over as much as we could because we didn't have. I think I had a friend of mine that actually eventually wound up getting that. Um, VHS box set, so we just watch them whenever. <laughs> See, it's interesting then, because I actually did I watch it, it in its initial run. I like it was my I was in high school when Twin Peaks came on, and it was like yeah. my first like TV obsession, and I was obsessed. It was like instantly, and I at that point I was a pretty big film fan, had seen some of Lynch's work, but certainly not all of it, and I was not a David Lynch super fan. Right, but for whatever reason. I caught on to the show early, and it was like I, – I can't remember when it ran. It was it was on the weekend, I think. It must have been Sunday nights maybe. I think it was – I think it ran on Sunday nights. I might be remembering that wrong. Oh, no, it was like, Yeah, and I had to be home in front of the TV to watch it. And and then the interesting thing is is I have never rewatched the series from start to finish. I saw Fire Walk With Me in the theater when it was out. When it was on Bravo, I remember, like, I didn't have Bravo, wherever I was living, college or whatever at that point, there was no Bravo. I never caught any reruns. I remember sometimes I'd be on vacation or somewhere with my parents in a hotel, and they'd have sure. Bravo, like, on the hotel TV, and I'd be like, oh, man, Twin Peaks reruns, and I'd be excited to catch, like, a half hour of a show wherever we were at. And then I actually bought a DVD box set at one, it was on sale somewhere, and I got it for really cheap, never watched it, I don't know why, I guess not enough time Was today. it, like, just the first season? Because I remember there was like a first, there was a first season box set that I had, it was, which actually was kind of rad. Cause it was 
It was like yeah. the first seven episodes. It didn't have the movie because back then you had to get the pilot like through a Chinese bootleg right. thing or something. It's the complete run. It might be the complete run without the pilot in the movie. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, mean, I right. do remember there were all these rights issues had, with the pilot. They, were and like they, the, had like a, they had the Log Lady intros on them, too, and they had DTS soundtracks. They were, they were DVDs. They were mastered. Like some really, I, mean, they, I just remember them looking really awesome when they came out. Like I'd never seen Twin Peaks look that good before. But, um, but yeah, that was that was. The, and then they did the the gold box. I think after that, I think that was the only two sets that ever gold came out. Gold box. That's the one I had. I had the gold box. Okay. So I was planning on doing a rewatch. Once Showtime got it, I thought, okay, I'm gonna rewatch it before the new season starts. But then I got sucked into you know Fargo and and uh, Better Call Saul and everything that's on. And there's just not enough time in the day, Joe. It's really about easy to get sucked yeah, Fargo. I know the the two to three weeks before the show started. I kind of started catching stray reruns on Showtime, like not in any particular order, but they were showing so much Twin Peaks. I would see like this episode from season one and the next day I'd catch 45 minutes of this episode of season two. And then I'd catch a half hour of this episode from season one. And it kind of I saw enough of it that a lot of it came flooding back. So I I, I guess it was good enough. I felt I felt fairly refreshed on it just from watching patches of it on Showtime. By the by the time the show started, I was good. But again, it's. It's really different from the show, man. I mean, pretty much a lot of the soap opera elements just been dumped as it was in Fire Walk with me. Oh yeah. It's interesting how I mean, we've had one episode that was pretty I mean, the the pilot, the first hour or the first 2 hours is basically a horror film. It's basically a David Lynch horror film. Very much so. Which I but that's what kind of reminded me of the Mul- or uh that's what kind of the Lost Highway stuff a little bit because there's a I mean, you could say you could make the same argument for Mulholland too, I guess. But for me, Lost Highway is like his horror movie, you know. Right. I mean, one of them at least. But to me, it's like a, so. Like that's where I kind of got that tone of like Lost Highway stuff out of it right, in the right. beginning. So then we get to episode, th- yeah, yeah, for sure. Then we get to episode three where Cooper's stuck in like the floating box in space. That that's, no, that's head. yeah, that's just like pure Lynchian mindfuck episode. And then right. since and then since then it's basically been a full on comedy, starring yeah. Cal McLaughlin. In a very first, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, oh, I've laughed my ass off the last two weeks. I've laughed my ass off. Oh, I know. It was just like, yeah, when it, just the, like I said, the drinking of the coffee. I I I I've screamed when I when he did that that look on his face. He's like, you can just see it coming back, or like, or the first thumbs up, or whatever, you know, or you know, looking for all these little clues and coming back, but the. Just the way people are reacting to him is hilarious because nobody seems to. Re- I mean, even people that know him don't even seem to realize there's something deeply, deeply wrong for some reason. I don't understand why they don't. It's like, right. like what's wrong with you? Okay, get, it's like he's, like, he's, no, he's basically acting like he had a full-on stroke and his wife never even notices. Right. It's like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Just go do your job, go to work, or whatever. It's like, <laughs> and, you know. It's almost kind of a comment on marriage, though, because like at that point in a marriage, it's like you're you're not really paying attention to your spouse anyway. It's like out of the house, off to work. Like the, the quirkiness of the comedy in the original show, it was a big part of its appeal. You know, there was that you know, like a new hardish feel or something like that to it. I mean, I think the soap opera elements of that show were kind of like meant to reflect TV of the time and before it. And now television is different, and so I think that's part of the reason why that's not there anymore as much, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, right, because TV's that. changed since then. It wouldn't. Yeah. It would. And but then I also I think there's probably some resentment of where like all that second season went for Lynch. Where I mean, there's got to be a reason why he would feel compelled to come back and do this stuff anyway, you know, with such vigor and verve, and uh, you know, make a you know 400 page script and it's done, it's complete. We're not changing a word. Let's go, you know, and. 
I don't think he was really happy at all. He thought it was, you know, that second season, I think it was a little bit of like, let's come back and do this, you know. Although he did bring back, because um, David Duchovny's character, uh, Denise, wasn't she in the season two? It Wasn't she in the part of the season two that Lynch wasn't involved with? Yeah, yeah pretty much. And so, actually, one of, one of the sole bright spots there, too. But like, Right, but it's um, nice they brought him back and gave them a nice scene, which I really enjoyed. Well, Maybe he thought that was a bright spot, too, because he seems to like I mean, that was like one of those things about that scene that they had. I've, I've heard some people say this before, but like and I get it. But it feels like he's almost like patting himself on the back retroactively for some sort of social change. <laughs> right. That, you know, didn't happen because of Twin Peaks specifically. But like, hey, look, back in the 90s, I was like, you know, I, I, I took a transgendered or, or transsexual character seriously, you know, mm-hmm. and made a real flesh and blood thing that everybody could relate where there's even that there's even that there's even that line he gives where he's talking about i forget the whole line exactly but he says remember when you were going through all your changes and there was all that trouble and i told those people to fix your hearts or get out or whatever he says something like that and it's a great line the fix your hearts line is great right he's like he says uh i told everybody you worked with i said fix your hearts or die which is great stuff but But, yeah it is almost patting on the back a little bit patting yourself on the back i mean it's i mean let him take credit for it i mean in his own work sure but like that's another thing because like in terms of how the culture's changed in the last you know you know 25 years or whatever and especially like politically correct culture not that i think that's a you know political correctness is an evil thing or something like that right like everything else in moderation but like you know you see these reactions to some things he's doing in the show that are colored by the perceptions of you know the contemporary and and, you know, he starts to see these arguments about whether or not he should be, like, having a scene, like, with that Richard Horn thing, with uh, him all, you know, being threatening and, you know, kind of choking her out and threatening to rape her and all that stuff. Oh, I mean, all I can say to that is I do not want a politically correct David Lynch. I want a – I want unfiltered yeah, no. David Lynch. You have to have – you can't – you can't – I mean, I was thinking about this earlier. You just can't let – because he's an artist, and you just can't let that be dictated by rays of, of the time. Uh, whether or not that's you know right or wrong or whatever, and if, 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 I personally think if you look at it, you don't see him. It's not him being exploitive. It's him, you know, making clear this is a threat in no uncertain terms. This isn't you know a bad guy. He's not. It's, he's not delighting it. He's using that as a you know an emotional like anchor to uh, you know. Well, and I mean, you feel something, feel a threat, feel scared, you know, or feel off put even, you know. I mean, Lynch is, Lynch is always interested in sort of the seedy underbelly of Main Street, and it's not always pretty to look at, <laughs> for sure. Sure. But anyway, like, I think we want to talk a little bit more maybe about, like, Cooper, because I think I have, like, an idea about this, especially based on the last episode. If you got theories, give them to us. We're ready. The part, the part that's missing, is, I mean, I could be totally wrong, is his shoes. He didn't take his shoes. His shoes didn't go through. Okay. The rest of him did. He's been wearing Dougie shoes ever since. Mm-hmm. He seemed to be awfully like fascinated by the shoes on that statue of the what, FBI guy, or whatever it was. I can't remember the whole FBI. You know, it's like he, a part of his slowly returning like memories of what he used to be. But like for some reason, he seems to be fixated on the shoes. That's the only thing that didn't go through. That's the only thing that's stuck back there. And I don't know why I feel like that's the thing. Because I mean. I don't know if that ties into the whole, like, what's missing part, you know, that Hawk needs to, like, utilize his Interesting. Native American heritage to find. But, <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of where I want, I want to find that out fast because I want 
like I said, I want Cooper back. I want my hot, damn hot coffee, thumbs up, Huckleberry Pie eating Cooper. I thought but, for sure we were going to get regular Cooper back last week in episode five. We're recording this between episode five and six. And I thought for right. sure we'd get him back in last episode. And we didn't. And now I'm not even sure we're getting him back this coming week. I'm really not sure. And not like sure I said, at this point, I'm personally up. having a lot of fun watch Dougie. It's not Dougie, but it's who everybody's mistaking for Dougie. And I, I think I'm personally okay if it goes for another week or two. But I just, I right. think at some point, the general audience is going to revolt. Well, if he teases it out enough to where you start getting little bits, more bits back, mm-hmm. you know, you start, you know, and, and to his credit, his performance, uh, Tom Klein's performance in both of those roles is just, incredibly dialed in it's so mclaughlin's awesome he's so he's he's great he did an arc on agents of shield recently and he was fantastic like he kind of joined that show to life for a little while oh man Uh, because i yeah i don't i don't keep i I have enough time keeping up with the marvel (laughs) movies much less the shows but but yeah like um with with those both those performances i think i'd be all right with that i was the reason i was well, I was agreeing with you about like the reveal. Maybe you know it should have happened this week, but you didn't, and whatever. Is because we didn't even get to the point where they take Bad Dale to who I assume is Sarah Palmer. You know what I mean? That was the end of the episode before it. They're like, right. Well, let's have you know Gordon Cole's like, oh, let's have somebody take a look at him and you know where oh, she yeah, is. There's like, somebody you know, right. They tease that drinks. in the episode before. Like I know just the person who we, right. we need. And then, and then they don't even deal with that in the next episode. Right. Which they again is not typically what's done on TV these days. I mean, where we're used to like breaking bad, where when a situation arises right. or a conflict arises, it's dealt with the next week or at least serviced in some way. Right. And this is not doing that. I think that's partially because of the, the nature of him thinking, about this whole thing as a movie instead of like a you know chopped up TV show, and, but but that's what the you know. You know what else I think? I'll tell you what else I think is interesting is that. See, you're putting forward theories already. I am not a big fan of trying to solve TV shows. I prefer to just you know get go with the flow, let the show reveal itself on its in its own pace, and not try to be constantly figuring stuff out all the time. And as far as watching TV these days, a lot of the culture is around is, is built around figuring out shows. I mean, Westworld was spoiled for anybody that went online because it was crowdsourced, broken down, and figured out three episodes in. And may, mm-hmm. maybe I'm hanging out in the wrong chat groups, but I actually don't see as much of that with Twin Peaks. I see some, you know, like all the numbers keep getting dropped every episode, and you just posted a theory about, you know, about what's missing and what Hawk's looking for. But am I wrong, or have I seen more people just going with the flow and less trying people trying to figure it out than there maybe has been with Westworld or some other shows? Or am I just hanging out in the wrong places online? At least where I've been, and what I've been seeing, it's like there's a lot of that actually. There's, but like little things, like some, like it's weird how people will catch like little things in a shot and be like, "Hey, look at this, man! Maybe this means this or something." You know, I've seen tons of that. You know what I mean? It's like. Like somebody found like a a book on a shelf that said like Native American heritage or something like that. Like you know what I mean? It's like they found like this little thing in a shot that like you have to like if you unless you were just like scanning the whole thing on like a huge like TV, you would probably never notice. Or you know, or yeah, fan theories are 
crazy right now, actually. I think people love trying to figure this stuff out. And, I, yeah, we're right about that. Don't I, you think I, that's distracting, though? I mean, if you're focused on books in the background, don't you think you're missing the point of the show? I don't know how many times these people are watching these episodes to see that <laughs> <laughs> I don't, man. I mean, I don't know how you fucking figure that out to begin with anyway. But I like, mean, I think most of the... Me, I mean, I, like, again, I got tired of all that stuff during Lost. I was watching Lost for the characters and got so tired of the puzzle solving. Well, that, yeah, because that, that was an example where that show lost me about halfway through season three. And then I didn't come back until close to the end. But like, also, I mean, do people really think that David Lynch is like putting intricate puzzles into this. Do we really think that's going on? And maybe he is. I'm not saying there's a right or wrong Mark answer Frost, here. I, I think there's, I think for him, it's a collage of like his ideas and everything else that, you know, he's painting in a way that, you know, you know, pleases him. And so, but you know how he is. He doesn't, he's not going to answer any of that stuff. And for me, I just like, uh, I like trying to, you know, I don't think I can help it for one thing, but even if I could, I like, I guess it's because I like to feel like I have some sense of control, <laughs> you know, that I'm just not completely, at the whim of whatever happens next. Like if I'm confused or I'm just going to say, or, or if I'm like, so if something's like got me confused or I, it's not making sense to me, I can't, I can't be content to just like let it sit there and be like, oh, whatever. It's like, I, I just can't. I it just allows me a sense of control over where it's going. Even if it turns out to be wrong, I'm still having fun theorizing about this stuff. <laughs> right. Like the crazy Audrey theories that uh, bad Dale came back and saw her before he disappeared. And, they probably boned and now <laughs> that's her son and that's why he's like kind of evilish or whatever because he's got again see this is so off the rails for me i don't do that i don't want to overthink all that stuff i just want to go along for the ride and that, oh, yeah, that, that another, doesn't make me a dumb way, tv somebody, viewer i don't think i just took, it feels like you're getting off track when people are obsessed over that kind of stuff me, I'd rather sit and savor that overhead shot of Amanda Seyfried when she's coked up in the car. We have the, that elongated oh, yeah. overhead well, shot with the sun coming down on her face. How awesome is that shot? I, I think I, I don't. Okay, I, I guess that goes back to something you were saying just a minute ago. But like, like if you pay attention to the wrong things or whatever, because um, I know I mean nobody's seeing this until everybody sees it, right? Right. I, and I think one of the things about this show, I know I feel I'm watching it, is that I mean I'm taking it in all of it. I'm engaged as I can possibly be right. for for 60 minutes. And uh, I don't think that theorizing stuff and all that other, you know, I don't think all that discussion comes up until after everybody's, everybody that's going to be seeing it as soon as they possibly can. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, that's when the chat rooms blow up. Mm-hmm. Once an episode's over and everybody goes to town on commenting on it or theorizing. Or, but I think when it's on, I don't think people... I know I'm not, at least. Like, <laughs> You're not sitting there taking that. notes of which numbers are being recited out loud. <laughs> right. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just absorbing it and taking it in and enjoying it, and uh, and uh, and I am really, I'm enjoying it. I'm really, I couldn't be more tickled about how good this stuff, this stuff is turning out after all this time. I love the fact that like David Lynch has no time for bullshit. Like they, so the who's the actor that played the original Sheriff Truman, Harry Truman, Michael or. or was it Michael uh, Ontkian? Michael Ontkian, I think. I hope that's right. Mike, Michael Ontkian. Yeah, so he's out. Ontkian, he's not coming yeah. back. <laughs> so now they have Robert Forster, who we assumed was playing Sheriff Truman, which he is, but he's not playing Sheriff Harry Truman. He's playing Sheriff Frank Truman, who's just Harry's brother, who I don't believe yeah. we ever even heard about before. But it's like it's like David Lynch is like, oh, he's a stand-in. Let's just make him his brother. It's like he has no right. time to even bother with. Well, and it's, at that point, you, you get you got to deal with those things as they come. So I mean, and if I recall correctly, uh, Aunt King was pretty vocal about 
being cool with coming back for a while. And yeah, and I don't know what happened there. Whatever reason he didn't. I mean, he's been retired for a while. But so, like, I mean, maybe it started out with Aunt Keen on board in mind when he was writing, and then that turned out to be not a thing that was going to happen. And so, and, and then the other the, actor, the 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 you know the one who plays the arm or the man from another place. Now he's just a tree with like a brain on top of it or some sort of mush head. Yeah, because Michael Anderson turns out to be an alt-right weirdo. It's like, yes. you know, <laughs> so what are you going to do there? Let's turn him into a, a stop-motion tree. Right. To me, that's that's what's. I mean, again, that's the kind of pivot he can make. You know, what I, mean? I mean, and have it be perfectly Lynch. It's like, why does nobody really had a firm? Yeah, Michael Anderson in that role was pretty iconic mm-hmm. in terms of the show. I mean, one of the most iconic things in the show in a lot of ways when you think about it. Everybody thinks about this old, the dancing small guy with the red suit and the shoes one like one was higher than the other and and um among other things but i mean he was pretty important to that so to kind of recast him as like a sycamore electric sycamore tree with like a you know eraser head blob brain gum thing i don't know what the hell that was i mean why not sure okay <laughs> i'll do it <laughs> how about tom seasmore showing up last week and i was like holy shit is that tom seasmore it is apparently he got clean when i was initially watching my stream was kind of shitty and so it was like I don't know, it was like pretty low res at, at that point when he came on, and I still recognized him because of his voice, because <laughs> he's got such a distinctive voice. I was like, is that? Yeah. And then cleared up. I'm like, oh, this shit is. I was like, yeah, he must have gotten clean, because you know, I think that was actually what happened to get on the show. He had to uh, clean up. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was a trip, because I mean, for one thing, that's obviously going somewhere mm-hmm. in terms of like, you know, plot-wise, there's something going on there. Again, some of that like, underbelly Twin Peaks type stuff, you know, the banality of whatever they're doing, selling uh, insurance or whatever. <laughs> you, know and, what was, uh, you know what was cracking my ass up was uh, McLaughlin and the elevator faced the wrong way. Just D- Dougie slash Cooper, like constantly standing so awkwardly reversed in the elevator and everybody looking at him like, what is going on with this guy? And I'm just cackling. It's <laughs> part of the part that's driving me nuts. I was like, dude, come on, hurry up. Please come back to some semblance of... What would the outcry be like if we're stuck with Dougie Cooper for, like, two-thirds of the show? (laughs) Is there any chance of that? You know, it's possible, I guess. Like I said, as long as he, like, meets out some progression to his, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He can't stay the same. He's obviously not staying the same. But that pace is so deliberate. It's just, again, he doesn't give a shit. He's going to do what he's going to do. I, I've been able to I've, I've been able to roll with it because it's been so funny. Right. I mean, and, and as, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of glad they've got some of that quirky sense of humor back in there, but in again in a weird in a weirder way. It's not as conventional as the original show. There's always it means Lynch's sense of humor has always been this weird deadpan, semi dark thing, for the most part, you know, and uh, or it's like weirdly inane, you know, it's like the whole Wally thing, you know. Wally Brando, you know, I mean, that's just classic. Uh, that's like a lighter hearted version of, you know, Jack Nance talking about how his dog is always with him or something like that. You know, it's like completely, you know what I mean? So where did you come down me, on the, Wa- where did you come down on the Wally Brando scene? Cause I actually loved it and I'm not even a big Michael Sarah guy, but I thought that scene was a riot. No, I'm not necessarily either. And I didn't take to it at first. It took, it took a sec. it took seeing it a second time for it to click for me. And I don't know why that is, but again, I think it's just because, Everybody's it's so taking out it there. It's so half. out there. I mean, it's just, it's fucking nuts. It is. It's really out there. 
And it, again, it exhibits those things about those things that he likes to do that it goes kind of long and it's a little bit awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, more than a little bit, actually. Mm-hmm. And then it's also just kind of deeply weird. And But yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know how you can laugh at the whole like shadows in front of me, some, you know, sometimes the days are behind me, some to the left, left and the right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes cloudy days and at night. <laughs> you can tell, you, I mean, it's like you can almost like look at Sarah and be like, how did you? Manage to keep a straight face doing this. That's why it works. So, so let me ask you this, Joe. In closing, uh, would you sure. put this the, the current Twin Peaks that's on right now, what we're watching week to week, is it amongst the best uh, that the best entertainment the TV is offering right now? I mean, we talk. I know me and you both love Fargo. Better Call Saul's on right now. Game of Thrones is coming back. Does Twin Peaks still today fit in the conversation of those elite shows? I mean, for me right now, it totally does. I guess you have to see how it sticks the landing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think I think the rewatchability element, which is never really a problem for the most part with the with the first you know the first run of the show. Obviously, people watch it to death. We haven't we haven't hit that stage yet. You know what I mean? Um, right. To where it's like we we you know we if it sticks we know if it sticks the landing, we know if we want to start over again immediately and just do the whole thing in a row, and you know see all those things that you know we might have missed the first time or make the connections that we haven't been able to make yet because we don't have the information and again this is um, going to run all th- this is going to run all I summer i mean we have a lot of hours of this left yeah you know i mean that's that's what that's what's again so it's like you know christmas in in june basically it's in that experiential sense of like because you know you're seeing like all these people 25 years later and you know you know where you're at 25 years ago when you first started watching the show and uh, I had a similar experience watching Train Spotting or that new Train Spotting last night, where it was like the stuff, the stuff that's happening in your life becomes almost like a, 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 a lens through which you're seeing the, these familiar characters and unfamiliar characters, how the how they how they've grown as you know physically and also like or guys like Lynch, how they've grown artistically, what they're you know what they're doing now and how you know it's like in the context of it never really having left and then being something new that's like a kind of a cornerstone for or like a, a marking point for you know where you are in your own life i think well all i know is it's the most sort of fascinating idiosyncratic thing on tv right now <laughs> so for that reason alone oh. uh, i mean there might be better tv out there but i i don't think there's tv that gets you thinking or sort of talking about it as much as the show does right now yeah, i mean i mean that, it's that and and that's part of that's fans. I mean, I see some conjecture about how well it's really doing for Showtime. I, I don't think they care. I don't either. Uh, yeah, I, and it's the the idea that it's purely kind of a Lynchian thing, and that's like I said, unique to itself. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the dude's a national treasure, and he hasn't made a movie in what a decade or something. So just from that perspective, yeah. it's like this is important. It's a cultural event. So so here's what we're gonna do, Joe. You we've we've talked about this is gonna go all summer. We've talked about if it's gonna stick the landing. So how about if I have you back on after the finale and we'll see if sure. we did that. Sound good? That sounds great. We'll set the date and we'll do that when the show wraps up in late summer or early fall or whenever it is. But in the meantime, thanks for coming and talking to me tonight. Hey uh, man, thank you for having me. Had a yeah, great time. Yeah. Tell tell the people listening where they can find you on the interwebs or on Twitter. Or where uh, it's just a you know Facebook, Joe Shansky, um, Instagram, 
same. I think it's tw- Twitter. It's all the same. <laughs> More or less. I never get on Twitter though, so it's mostly just Instagram and Facebook. We'll throw, uh, we'll throw links to your um, stuff up. But you're looking for Joe Oshansky. You can find links to the reviews on uh, thetulsavoice.com, and uh, you know you can read those and also check out the voice because it's awesome. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Joe. We'll talk to you later on down the road yeah, once yeah. the show wraps up. It's great talking, man. Take care. That's the end of our episode. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please follow us at CultSpark on Twitter, on Facebook. Subscribe to our podcast at iTunes. Give us a lovely review. We really like that. And, of course, you can check out all our movie reviews and other writing at CultSpark.com. Catch you next time.